I know I haven't done an episode in a bit on Michelle's case. While there is a lot of stuff going on in the background behind the scenes and on kind of a, a slow moving trajectory, there's nothing really I can talk about in great detail at the moment. But there's a couple little things that I wanted to tell you about. I received a very interesting photo a little more than a week ago showing two major characters out in public together, which definitely caught my attention. I'm hanging on to it for now as I work that angle with others connected to the case. Also, I'm in contact with the person who says he saw Michelle and one of the Abbott twins together at some point before she was killed. The only thing new I've heard regarding the ongoing investigation is from a former first responder who was one of the first at the scene the night Michelle was murdered. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's called me several times asking questions about the case. He told me he was called by investigators about the case. This is a name I might have mentioned only once or twice in the entirety of the podcast, if at all. I presume he was being asked about who and what he saw that night regarding the vehicles that showed up at the scene. He told me he doesn't remember any of that. He no longer lives in the area, but his calls confirmed to me that an investigation is going on behind the scenes. I don't find his recollections of that night to be 100% reliable based on other reports I've seen taken at the time. That doesn't mean I think he's lying or anything. You know, in certain things that you saw that night, you're, you're not going to forget, but there will probably be other details that aren't quite measuring up to other documents and so forth. Unfortunately, I could not find this person's original report in the files that I have. I could only find his deposition from sworn testimony, so that's a bit disappointing. I haven't mentioned in previous episodes, at least I don't remember mentioning it, and I'm not going to go back and re-listen to all the episodes, but uh, several years ago, the twins made it publicly known uh, through a news reporter that they were going to have a polygraph taken regarding the Michelle Lawless case. But when the newspaper reporter called to get the results of that test a day or two later, the examiner would not release the results, saying that he would have to have the client's permission to do so. Now, I've heard different stories about that polygraph. My first instinct was, you know, if they didn't release the results, then they must have failed the polygraph. But I heard from one source that I trust, although I don't know uh, about the source that he heard it from, but I heard it from him that the Abbots passed the polygraph. But I heard from a different source just this week, uh, a source that was once close to one of the, the twins, that Matt passed the test, but Mark failed. You know, this isn't really that big of a deal because I don't trust polygraphs either way, whether they give a positive or negative result. But I thought I would pass along the information. It's a question that I get quite frequently. As you have probably heard by now, current prosecutor in Scott County, Amanda Ash, was defeated in the recent primary election held in August, meaning Don Cobb will take over the case in January. Uh, Cobb is not commenting on the case. He's telling people to take their information to Ash until it's his time to take over the prosecutor's office. He doesn't want to step on her toes or, you know, interfere in any kind of way. As for Mark Abbott's felony in possession of a weapons charge, his attorney filed an extension on September 12th for more time to file pre-trial motions. Nothing much is moving on that case right now. Overall, for reasons I'm not at liberty to say because of promises of confidentiality, I have a good feeling that the Michelle Lawless investigation is moving forward, and I believe charges will come eventually. It may take a while.
I'm your host, Bob Miller. You're listening to The Lawless Files. Yes, could you tell me uh, an email address where I could send a uh, public records request? Yes. Medicine CO or full county? Sheriff at madisoncounty.gov. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Now a quick update on the Timmy D's case. Barbara Hall, Timmy's mother, tells me that Timmy's father has kind of softened his stance and has agreed not to bury Timmy's remains until the first autopsy results are released. Those results are still not available. It's now been almost nine weeks since Timmy's remains were found. The family was told that it would take a couple of weeks to get the autopsy results back, and obviously it's turned into much more than that. I really hope this is a positive sign that they're taking their time and doing all the tests necessary to determine Timmy's cause of death. I know Barb is anxious to see what that report says, and I think we all are. If you remember, law enforcement with the Missouri Highway Patrol has already posed the theory to Barb that Timmy collapsed and died in the woods, perhaps due to an overdose, after, by the way, Timmy had called 911 and reported a friend was threatening him. Speaking of 911 calls, a couple of weeks ago I sent a public records request to Madison County for some records regarding Timmy's death as well as Durante Martin's. Madison County has some of the records ready for me and the ball is in my court to send them a thumb drive because the files are too large to send via emails. So I hope to get that to them here in the next few days. Some requests they are rejecting because they say Durante's case and Timmy's cases are, are open cases. And that's interesting, particularly in Durante's case, because the Highway Patrol is essentially telling Durante's family that the death is a suicide and they're not looking into it. Well, if that's the case, it should be a closed case and the records should be available to the public. As part of my public records request, I asked for communications between the Highway Patrol and Madison County regarding Durante's case, even if it meant redacting all but Durante's name and the date of their communications. The point of this was to let documents support Madison County's claim that the case is indeed open and being investigated. Instead, they said all communications on the case has been via cell phone. At any rate, I'll be sending my thumb drive soon and hope to get my hands on the documents they have and those that are open for public inspection. We'll see what information we can glean from those. Over my 25 plus years in journalism, I've come to believe that law enforcement overplay their hand on the open investigation label especially on cold cases. Investigative reports on criminal cases can be closed while the investigation is ongoing, but sometimes I don't think that they're actually working on these cases and they just use the ongoing case as a way just to, to not have their work inspected, basically. Uh, but the Missouri Sunshine Law states that investigative reports are closed up until the point in time that the investigation becomes inactive. So what does inactive mean? One of the criteria that the law defines as inactive 
is that, quote, a decision by the law enforcement agency or officer not to pursue the case, end quote. So once an officer says that they're not working on the case anymore, it should be deemed inactive. And those records, those uh, investigative reports should become public. At least that's what I believe. It's also been a while since I've talked about the Jesse Wilfong case. Jesse's case was the first one that I tackled outside of my initial season on the Michelle Lawless case. Jesse's uncle, Lawrence Shonda, and his girlfriend, Teresa Baumgartner, were charged with first-degree murder. Jesse's body was found buried inside a barn that Shonda had access to, and there is evidence that Shonda and Baumgartner rented an auger to dig the hole that Jesse was buried in. I reached out to Kathy Wilfong, that's Jesse's mother, a week or two ago to ask her about updates in the case. And one thing I found out from her is that it appears that the information that Jesse was in Fredericktown before going to Shonda's house in Millersville was incorrect, a false lead. If you remember, Kathy had been told that Jesse was seen at a house crawling out a window or something. Kathy didn't explain how she found out it was a false lead, but for now I'm just going with it. It doesn't appear that Jesse's case is related to all these other Frederick Count cases that are in the spotlight. So for those who have missed previous episodes on Jesse, it's believed that Shonda was into methamphetamine and that there was an argument the night of Jesse's murder, whereby Shonda believed Jesse was an informant for the police. I know quite a bit more about this case, but I want to let things play out in the courts. When the time is right, I'll share the story of exactly how this case was solved. It's a fascinating story that took quite a bit of guts. Earlier this month, Baumgartner waived her preliminary hearing. Shonda's preliminary hearing, again, that's the uncle of Jesse Wilfong, uh, that preliminary hearing is scheduled for this Wednesday. Fourteen subpoenas have been issued in the case. new information that Jesse's case may not be connected to Fredericktown. I've only recently become aware of yet another case in Madison County that bears much more scrutiny. On Saturday, I spoke at the True Crime Club convention in Cape Girardeau. It was a good event put on by Laura Ritter, and I had a good time meeting some folks. Among them were the parents of Doug Teal. That's T-E-E-L. And they presented information about their son's death, which occurred just outside of Fredericktown, much like Timmy D's and Dronte Martin. His death occurred way back in 2010. 
He was found dead on the highway, his body struck by vehicles. Doug's parents told many perplexing details about investigators changing stories of how their son died. I got their contact information and I hope to interview them soon for a future episode of The Lawless Files. While law enforcement seems to believe that Doug took a nap on the highway, the victim's parents believe he was killed and his body was placed on the road to make it look like a car. They believe a human-inflicted beating took their son's life. So that's the update for now. I wanted to let you all know I'm still working on these cases. I'm still uh, working leads, sources, witnesses, those types of things. Um, and just kind of catch you up on a little bit that's going on behind the scenes. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Bob Miller, and you're listening to The Lawless Files. The Lawless Files is a production of Leadhound Publishing, LLC. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here at The Lawless Files, please consider becoming a paid access member. You can do that by going to www.thelawlessfiles.com and signing up. Access past members get special benefits such as early release episodes and bonus content. You can also make a donation at thelawlessfiles.com. You can also help by joining the Lawless Files Facebook group or liking the Lawless Files Facebook page. It's also a big help if you simply share the episodes with your friends. Thank you again for listening to The Lawless Files.